I want to talk to you tonight about something real quick. Um, the title of my message tonight is called Two Swords. If you're taking notes, I'd highly, highly uh, encourage you to take notes um, because if you write it down, you know what's going to happen. You're going to remember it, right? You're going to remember it. And there's a higher chance that you're going to remember it if you just write it down. So tonight we're going to talk about two swords. Uh, it's a, we're coming from a passage of scripture in Luke chapter 22. And tonight, the premise of what I'm talking about is um, why we should read our Bible. I hope that you walk away with an encouragement um, and a desire to, to read the Word of God, that you hunger and you thirst for the living Word of God. The Bible says that it's living, it's active, and that it can produce life within us. And so I hope to encourage you, encourage you to want to read your Bibles uh, from this point forward, okay? Does that sound all right? Sound good? Okay, excellent. Well, let me pray. Actually, I'm going to read a passage of scripture first, and then I'll pray. How's that? Luke 22, verse 31 through 38. Just kind of give you a little background here. This is just, uh, this is just right after the, the Lord's Supper. Jesus is actually about to go to Gethsemane and be arrested and tried and, um, and crucified. And so there's a conversation that ensued uh, among some of his disciples, and uh, it kind of went like this. So uh, the Bible says in Luke 22, verse 31 through 38... That's a really cool graphic there. Thank you, Jonathan. It says, Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even knew me. Then Jesus asked them, when I sent you out to preach the good news and you did not have money, a traveler's bag, or an extra pair of sandals, did you need anything? No, they replied, but now he said, take your money and your traveler's bag, and if you don't have a sword, everybody say a sword. If you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. For the time has come for this prophecy about me to be fulfilled. He was counted among the rebels. Yes, everything written about me by the prophets will come true. Look, Lord, they replied, we have two swords among us. That's enough, he said. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the family, the body of believers, the people that are here tonight, God, that come hungry, thirsty for your word. Father, I pray that you would help me to articulate and enunciate every word. Father God, I pray that you would give me throne room wisdom and revelation, Father God, that you would open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts to be able to receive your word, Lord God. Let it penetrate deep into our souls and become something living, breathing, and active, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, it's a, in, the, in, the, in the beginning part of the scripture, it's kind of interesting, this passage uh, that it's commonly preached about. I've heard it in a lot of different ways, a lot of different times, where uh, Jesus calls um, Peter, Simon, and he, and he says, uh, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that story before. A lot of people, it's, it's, very, it's very common, there's a lot, a lot of hands, most hands went up. Very, very common, as we know what happens is later on in the night when Jesus is being dragged through the streets and, and all this trial is going on, um, that, that, that Peter is actually asked three different times if he was one of the disciples and he does deny and then immediately a rooster crows, his heart is broken and he weeps like a baby. And so it's the truth, it's in the Bible. 
And so anyways, what I thought was interesting about that, just as just kind of a sidebar here, what I thought was interesting about that is that through this whole passage, through this whole passage, uh, Peter, the apostle Peter, he was given a new name. I don't know if you know that because in the beginning he was, he was Simon. In the beginning when he was met, he was named Simon. Jesus gave him a new name. He had it like that. Like he could just meet people and just be like, you know what? I don't, I don't like that name anymore. I'm just going to call you Steve now. All right? Steve is better. It's like if you forget somebody's name. You know what I mean? You forget somebody's name. If you could just have the authority to just be like Jeff, right? You're just like, yep, Jeff. It's if you just, he, he had it like that, okay? Jesus did. Well, anyways, he just decided he would start calling this man Simon. He's now still calling him Peter. So throughout the Gospels, in three years that they've been walking together, he's always called him Peter up until right now. I always thought that was interesting because he said, he said, you know something... Simon, let me tell you something, Simon. Simon, this is what's really going on. You see, I believe the reason why is Jesus knew that he was going to be betrayed. He knew that Peter was going to deny him. But what Jesus was reminding him is, I called you when you were still Simon. Okay, I know now that you're Peter, you're the rock that I'll build my church on, but I called you while you were still Simon. I believe that's a message for all of us, too, that Jesus is not concerned with who we are, uh, who, we, who, we, who we were, and all those other things. Jesus remembered and set a destiny and a purpose on our lives back when we were still sinners. He loved us then. That's the truth. So let us never forget that. But let me dive into my message real quick. Verse 35 is really interesting to me. It says, And Jesus asked them, When I sent you out to preach the good news and you didn't have any money or a traveler's bag or an extra pair of sandals, did you need anything? Um, and so he tells them, uh, it, it kind of sounds like, it, and so he tells them that uh, now what I want you to do is I want you to go out and I want you to buy a sword. Now, this is Texas, everyone here. We got the CHL, we got the open carry law, all that kind of thing. A lot of people preach this is like Jesus wants you to join the NRA or something like that. Uh, it's, not, it's nothing like that at all. I mean, you can interpret it however you want, but there's, there's just a lot of scripture that says no, okay? So let me just not just say that. Let me prove to you real quick, okay? Luke 22, 49 and 51, the same chapter even, uh, you know, uh, Jesus is being arrested. And, and, and some of the disciples say, Jesus, we brought the swords you told us to bring. We found these two swords among 12 of us. We had two swords. And he says, no, no, stop it. Put that away, okay? Uh, in Romans 12, 18, uh, Jesus even says, Paul says, uh, do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. So I don't believe necessarily that Jesus is like pro-gun or anti-gun. That's not what the conversation is about. I just, just want to clarify right now. I, I believe instead that maybe perhaps Jesus being the master teacher who he was was just not being literal again, Okay? Let me give you an example. Uh, Jesus says, you know, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can throw this mountain into the sea. Okay? Another one, he says, you know, if your eye causes you to sin, you should just gouge it out. Your hand causes you to sin. Just cut it off. I mean, Jesus is, is probably, as a master teacher, just kind of using a, a parable or some sort of story, an analogy, to a metaphor to kind of articulate his point. And so is the case, so is the case right here. So what is he trying to say then? In order to kind of understand what he was trying to say, we have to kind of go back just a little bit, just a little bit, and read a passage of scripture in Luke chapter 9, where Jesus, and in this passage of scripture in your Bible, it may say, Jesus sends out the twelve. Okay, so this is the first time he commissioned the disciples. He empowered them. He fulfilled them with the mandate to go out and to preach the gospel. 
okay? And so he says it like this. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Jesus said, take nothing for your journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Because wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave. Why? So we have to understand this. Jesus was saying this. See, at the time, there was a time, there was a time when the, the message of the gospel, the, the, what the disciples were doing, what Jesus was doing was was celebrated. It was welcomed. The disciples and Jesus would walk into a town and the needy, the sick, the poor would flock to them. Literally, there were points where Jesus was so popular, he would literally often in his time have to push away from people and have to go somewhere to find solitude so that he could pray because Jesus was just so welcomed. People were literally tearing the roof off of places trying to meet him. And so what Jesus is saying right now in Luke 22, he says, yes, there was a time when you lived the glory days out with me. There was a time when we saw miraculous things happen. We fed 5,000 people. I raised a sick girl from the dead. You saw me walk on water. You saw these miraculous things. But now, there is a tension. There's controversy in Jerusalem. There's a scandalous attack against Jesus. People who are afraid of, of, of the message of the word. People that are afraid of the change that's, that's brewing up inside of people. They're, they're afraid. They're scared. They don't know what to think about it. And so Jesus says, now it's time to get a sword. Now it's time to get a sword. Now, Jesus tells them, bring a bag. Bring some money, clothes. And if you have to sell your shirt... Go buy. Everybody say, go buy. Go buy a sword. Now, there's two types of swords, okay, in the Bible mentioned. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. I'll read you another one. Ephesians 6, verse 17, it says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's safe to say that in the Bible, the word sword can be interpreted as the word of God, okay? It's safe to say that a word sword in the Bible can be interpreted as a sword. Would you, would you as the Bible, I'm sorry, I'm saying that wrong. Right? You get me, God, thank you. All right, so we're gonna talk about two types of swords tonight. Are you guys ready? And here, look, I have two magnificent looking swords. We've got a brave heart looking sword, and then we have like a dagger. Did you guys know Mel Gibson's only like five feet tall? He is, it's true. Anyways. Sorry. So, this is probably going to take notes. Your first, your first point tonight, since there's two types of swords, there is the big sword. Now, this type of sword can measure as long as 40 inches, okay? This is very commonplace throughout history and what people talked about in the sword. In the book of Hebrews... 
that Greek word there, that Greek word there for sword is meaning this sword. Okay, now I was going to write down the Greek word for you and tell it to you. It's like brohorobarim or something like that. But I could barely speak English, let alone Greek. So forget about that. <laughs> All right. But what he's talking about is this great big sword here. This great big sword in the Bible represents your faith. This is what you believe in. It's very broad almost. This is what you believe and where you decide what you don't believe. Okay? Now, let me explain real quickly. If you're not sure about some of the things you believe, but we all have beliefs. We all have beliefs. Some of the things we may not be 100% on, but we all have beliefs. Now, I'll take a sidebar real quick. If you need help, if you need help deciding some decisions, because the Bible says, the Bible says that there are some sins that lead to death and some that don't. And I believe what that means is this. It means that there are some issues that we maybe struggle with, that we maybe fight with a big broad sword about that are not really heaven and hell issues. Okay? Did, did Adam have a belly button? I'm not sure. But I'm pretty sure it's not a heaven and hell issue. <laughs> Understand? <laughs> the chicken or the egg. Okay? Not a heaven and hell issue. Okay? Think about it. But let me take a sidebar here and say that if you need help in understanding what it is that you believe, I would encourage you to write it down. Scour, search the Bible, look for scriptures, see what the word of God has to say, and not just a biased, broad stroke of what we think people say and what we've heard, okay? There's a lot of sayings and common beliefs that people say and, 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 and understand and think are a part of the Bible. You could do a whole series just about things people think are in the Bible that are not true, okay? Things the Bible didn't say, <laughs> Right? I would encourage you that this sword here, you search the Bible for yourself and you decide for yourself what you believe. Amen. But the only way to find out is to search the word of God and to decide what you believe. Find scriptures. See what it says. God, this doesn't really kind of line up maybe with what I thought it meant, but this is what the word says. I mean, I can't, I can't disagree with what the word says. I mean, the word is it's, it's powerful. It's living. It's active. And when you pray on it, it will penetrate your soul. It will divide the very marrow of who you are and start creating something new in you. It's a broad sword. Have you ever heard of the law of the pendulum? The law of the pendulum. I have to show you. Oh, no. It's okay. It's okay. My sword. The law of the pendulum. A pendulum is basically, uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let's check it out. I don't have time to explain. I only got 14 minutes. Okay, look. A pendulum, as a law of the pendulum states this, okay, as a matter of physics and gravity and stuff like that. A pendulum swings, right? The law of the pendulum states that the pendulum, when released, will never return back to the same height in which it was released. 
You've seen it, okay? Does it, can it hit my hand ever again? It just can't. It's amazing. It's a law of the pendulum. So a physics teacher in college is trying, or a physics professor is trying to teach this to his students. And so he shows them the pendulum like I just did to you. And then he says, okay, here we're going to do. He says, I need you to stand over there on the edge of the classroom. And he pulls out this giant cable, this giant metal cable off the wall. And attached to it has these three 45-pound weights attached to it. He says, now I'm going to release it, okay? I want you to stand over there to this poor, poor 20-year-old soul paying for this education. He says, I need you to stand over there. I'm going to release the pendulum. And the law of the pendulum states it will not return back to the same height, so you won't get crushed, okay? And so he releases the pendulum. And as it begins to swing back, the 20-year-old college student jumps out of the way. Everybody laughs at him. Ah, don't you know the law of the pendulum states, blah, 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 blah. But the professor says, see, this young man just proved to us a different law. It's called the law of action. And what the law of action states is it's not what you believe. It's not what you believe, but it's what you act on that proves what you believe. It doesn't matter if you see a pendulum swing, okay, when it comes to you being in danger. You think, I'm out of here. You jump out of the way because it's way you act. That proves what you truly believe in. And you see, we may say all day that we believe in this right here, that we have a broadsword, but unless we act on what it says, it's not really what we believe. That's pretty good, huh? What do you believe? I need this sword here. Careful. What do you believe? If you don't know, go get it. Go get that broad sword and decide for yourself what you believe. Parents, if you've got children in your home, let me tell you something. I get to be with your children uh, a couple hours a week. What they believe... Before they leave your home, the Bible says it's up to you. Read the word of God to your children, parents. Students, I grew up going to church and I didn't, I didn't always have my parents with me in church. I went out. I got my own sword. Why? Because it's alive. It's active. It's doing something. I talked to a young man today. He said, you know something? He said, I used to think this book was a fairy tale. I thought it was, I've heard people say, I thought it's something that people use to manipulate kids to make them act good. He said, but the more that I read it, I started to realize that it doesn't contradict itself. <sighs> that there's so much of my own, my own questions that it answers so well. You see, when you start to look deep into the word of God, it begins to reflect parts of you. And it begins to alter and shape. It's kind of like when you stare into the mirror. In fact, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13 says, now we look into a mirror and what we see is just a poor reflection. But soon I will see clearly, even as I'm clearly known. You see, 
And what that means is when you look into the word, what that dim reflection is, what you're looking at, you're looking at, you're looking at a reflection and what's on the mirror is Jesus. And why we don't look completely like him is because there's parts of us that have to change. But it's only the word of God that shows the reflection of what we should look like. That's why it's alive. That's why it's active. That's why you have to read it. You have to look into it. You have to read it. You have to get the broad sword and know what you believe in. It's important. It's important. I'm going to challenge everyone in the room. I say this to students all the time. I'm going to challenge everyone in the room. Every time you grab the device that communicates with space, the iPhone, Samsung 17, whatever you got, I'm going to challenge you, okay? If you're heavy on social media like I am, just before you go to open that app, open the Bible app instead. First thing in the morning, I reach over to my phone. There's a bunch of notifications and stuff like that. Open the Bible app first. Just for a moment even. Just for a moment before you go to bed. Keep one of these by your bed. Keep a sword by your bed. Before you go to bed, let it become alive in you. Let it activate something in you. Anybody willing to accept that challenge? Anybody willing to accept that challenge? I'll do it with you. All right, the second one. The second one is this. Uh, uh, the second type of sword. Um, in fact, it's actually the, the, the Greek word in Ephesians when it says the sword of the spirit. That's, that sword it's talking about is actually talking about a dagger. Okay? Again, there's a Greek word for it, but... We ain't Greek. Okay? <laughs> But it means dagger, a shorter sword. This sword here represents your experience. You see, you may be unclear in some details. Did Adam have a belly button? Yes or no? Not really sure. That's the bigger sword. I know what I believe though. But nothing can rock, nothing can shape, nothing can change the things that you have experienced because you keep it close to you. Because although the battle may be distant in some cases, but sometimes when it's right up in your face, you need something short and swift. Nothing can rock the experiences that you've been through. Nothing can rock praying for your son in ICU and seeing him healed five days later. Nothing can rock that. That's a shorter sword. It's interesting that the Bible calls this one the sword of the spirit. And if you look in your Bible, that word spirit right there is capitalized. You know what that means? It means the Holy Spirit. It means God. This is the word of God. It's a part of your daily uniform. You wear it not just for the battles that are far off. You wear it for the battles that are right here. 
It's a shorter one. It's for this. It's for these types of battles. It's for these types of things that come up. You see, you may be a little bit gray in your understanding of doxology or systematic theology. And I believe that if you study and you pray hard, you ask a pastor, you listen to some podcasts, there's ways we can learn. Google's fascinating. Google's amazing. There's some commentaries out there. It's just unbelievable. I'll tell you something. You know, we have so much more today at our fingertips, including the device that communicates with space, than Paul, than Isaiah, than Peter, than anybody that actually wrote any of this ever had. There are so many more resources out there. This Bible is, the word of God is living. It's active. And this sword here, this sword is earned through the experiences that we go through. It's the word of God in our life that can't be shaked. It can't be rocked because you've lived it. When you've prayed and you saw it happen. When you've talked to somebody and you saw their heart be moved. Those are the experiences we hold closest to our heart. Let me come up and play for me, please. I had this experience a couple years back. It was a long time ago. Not that long ago. It was, it was a couple years ago. Like eight years or something. I don't know. I'm terrible with that. No concept of time. Somebody asked me a question. I wasn't really sure. I like, wasn't really certain about the answer. And so I was listening to this podcast, and the man that I was listening to in the podcast blew my mind. His knowledge of the word, the way he could recite scriptures, I mean, it was like, this guy is not rocked at all about what he believes. He's got the broadsword, and he's got the experience to back it up. I mean, he has the sword of the spirit. This, it was amazing. And you know what happened? It birthed something in me. It birthed this desire to want to know the word like that guy. My dad has this chronic back pain. He's had chronic back pain as, as long as I can remember. He hurt his back at work. He used to lay floors. It's like he's just all messed up. I said, you know what? I want to know everything there is to know about healing in the New Testament. Everything. And so I started waking up at 5 a.m. Because I have a young family and I have to go to work and I got bills and stuff. It's the only time I could do it. And so I got up and I started writing down every scripture starting in Matthew 1 verse 1. As far as I could go about every time someone was healed any mention of healing any mention of a miraculous thing that involved the body, all of it. And I made a little journal. A couple months later, in fact, it was that Christmas. Took months, just so you know. Took months of doing that. Some days I fell off. Some days I didn't wake up when I was supposed to. Some days I didn't. But I kept going. I was sharpening my sword. Every morning. Every morning. 
was that Christmas. I was at my dad's house. I prayed over my dad. My wife and I did. And I remember reciting scripture after scripture after scripture that I had memorized. Not because someone told me, but because I went out and I bought my sword. I paid the prices for my sword. And today, I have this sword that I can say that my father was healed of chronic back pain after we laid hands on him and prayed and spoke the living word, the active word, the one that divides to the sword and the marrow, and we saw healing because we paid prices to see healing in his life. Jesus didn't say, go find some swords. He said, go buy a sword. Because let me tell you something. This one, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. It's not freely given. It's going to cost you. And if you don't know, go pay the price for it. Because the answers are here. Church, the healing is here. The miracle we need is here. The solution to our problems is here. It's in the word. He already gave it. It's up to us to pay the prices. Church, I hope you're encouraged to read your Bible tonight, to scour these pages, to pray about it, to think about it, to digest it, to ingest it. Let it become a part of you and who you are and let it guide you. It is a lamp into your feet and a light into your path. And this is a dark world we're living in. Go buy a sword, church. Everybody stand for me. Parents, I want you to know that when I, when I write a message, I have this, um, I have this uh, commitment, I guess you could say to myself, that whatever I would preach in there, I would preach in here. And so this message, I would have preached this message whether I was preaching in here tonight or not. I would have preached it over there to your students.